put them in your mouth? Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Gentlemen, boys, and fools, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Well, here I am at the train station, just anxiously awaiting that train to Busan. I guess it's going to be a little bit late, so let's do a podcast. Let's talk about Talking Terror tonight, shall we? I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this Off the Rails episode, presented by the Ghoul of Geek Keith, which is, uh, this is his own pick of the week, Train to Busan from 2016, directed by Keon Sang-ho. So without further ado, welcome the bold, the beautiful, the Ghoul of Geek Keith. Fuck, The Train to Busan. Shit, man, I guess I watched the wrong movie. I watched something called The Train to Your Mom. It was totally a part. Oh. What the hell was going on? Part two or part three? Because part three is excellent. Wraps up the trilogy really nice. Actually, this one was semicolon Requiem. Oh, so you saw the <laughs> offshoot. Okay, so you saw the offshoot, Brent. That's, that's a spinoff. Not bad, a little long. But there's a great anal sequence that you have to watch to believe. Oh, 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 oh yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And we're also joined by the psychotic <laughs> Simeon himself, the Mad Monkey. Welcome. Hey, hey there, Fright fans. I'm your Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. And it's just right now, I'm really glad to have that straight jacket because it got really freaking cold this week. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so the straight jacket helps. Okay. Learning all sorts of new facts about straight jackets, courtesy of the Mad Monkey. No, it's just the way yeah. I'm wrapping his arms around himself to, you know. Hug himself like just, he does. I'm just giving myself a hug. <laughs> I love myself. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. <laughs> Who's the prettiest monkey there ever was? You are. You are. <laughs> King said I'm the prettiest, you guys. That means something to me. He didn't say you're the prettiest. Our friends kiss. <laughs> yeah, but everybody's friends kiss. Yeah, but Dad says I'm the best. But does he go down on the first date? I don't think so. I'm going to step out of the room so you guys can fuck each other, and I'll uh, see y'all tomorrow. That's Friday. But, um, so, Good night, everybody. Uh, so, <laughs> enjoy the episode. Thank you. Um, but we are once again without the doc. He will hopefully be back next week. Because it is his pick, so hopefully he'll be back for this pick of his that we'll announce at the end of the show. But we're going to sally forth, as Army of Darkness told us to do, without him. Uh, so <laughs> to, to kind of do some things before we get into horror news, I do have a couple things. Uh, you guys, a Monkey and uh, Ghoul, Disney Plus, how is it? Did you check it out? What's going on over there at that streaming service? Ghoul, how about you talk about it since you actually subscribed? <laughs> 
Ah. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, again, listen, this is Disney Plus. We all talked about it for, for months. You know, we all knew it was coming. Ta-da, it's here. Uh, I uh, waited until pretty much like the zero hour to sign up with it, uh, basically because I had heard that there might be some kind of Hulu package, but didn't think about it. That gets negated by me because I have the Hulu like ad free live package or whatever whatever the Hulu Live is then. I guess there's no uh add on for that that you can do it. So whatever. I'm signed up for the regular six ninety nine. Uh it was all fine and dandy yesterday. Um I've heard nothing but nightmare stories though, of people who can't get on, can't get in, having login issues. I uh I was able to watch quite a number of things with no problem. Uh, everything streams smoothly, clearly, high definition, 4K, all that. But I will have to report that today it is not working on my Samsung TV, nor is it working on my Xbox. The app automatically crashes. So currently, oh, the only wow. way I can access it is through my telephone. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are nicknaming this Disney Minus already. So... <laughs> they, uh, they, they are non-happy campers out there. Uh, listen, it just launched. It's new. I, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a bummer. I know that they'll get it taken care of soon. I guess they better. Otherwise, you know, I don't think anybody's gonna be staying. Right. Well, I mean, it's just it's launch bugs, of course. I mean, the thing doesn't launch. You know, it's not like it's been around for a month and people are still experiencing this. Let's see after a month. If people are still having these issues, then maybe uh, it's, a, it's a Disney minus. But has there been anything that you've seen on there that's worth talking about? I know The Mandalorian was a big deal. Lady in the Tramp live action, I think. So Yeah, well, I mean, I, I watched both of those. I ended up being woken early yesterday. Um, so when I woke up, it was like 5.30 in the morning. I looked. The app was ready to go. So I turned it on, started just checking through the menus, and I was like, all right, you know what? I've got 45 minutes until I'm ready to, to go take my shower for work. So I threw on The Mandalorian. Um, very enjoyable. The episode was great. The ending was a wow, awesome fucking type of moment because that was something I never thought I would ever see. So to see that was like, holy fuck. Uh, I can't wait till Friday when the second episode drops, and then I guess it's going to drop a new episode every Friday following. Um, yeah, I watched the Lady in the Tramp movie with uh, the ghoul girl and then the little monster last night. Uh, the dog really enjoyed it as he was constantly charging and jumping and running around the house like a madman every time he saw dogs on screen. Uh, yeah, it's, listen, it's a ridiculous amount of content. You know, I think I've spent probably just as much time flipping through the menus as I have actually watching stuff on the app at this point. Um, so mm. it, is, uh, it is endless. You know, I know the ghoul girl was excited because mm. Swiss Family Robinson was on there, and she hasn't seen that since oh, she was a night. kid, and she loved that movie. So she was watching that when I got home. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I definitely want to Monkey, yeah, any I thoughts on Mandalorian? Wanna... Fuck yes, I've got some thoughts here. All right. Okay, calm down. Um, <laughs> Uh, I've been waiting for this. Uh, I was confused because I thought this was going to be a Boba Fett series. It is not a Boba Fett series, no. nor is it a Jango Fett series. It is not a Fett series at all. This is just about the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian clans. Um, I could have told you that. And, yeah, well I, well, I didn't know. But uh, <laughs> go, go, going in, I was really hoping 
for some reason, like in my heart of hearts, in the back of my head, like they were going to go with kind of a Western feel because that's kind of what they tried to steer towards in the solo movie. And I was hoping they did it. And sure enough, yeah, first five minutes, huge ass homage to Once Upon a Time in the West. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, th- th- and th- and then I found out that the score that was done for the series, the um, the actual score was done by the dude who actually did the score for Once Upon a Time in the West. Any <laughs> more funny? Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah, along with the fun that this series has, it definitely has some fun. It's it definitely got some quirkiness to it that I was not expecting. I was definitely expecting a bit more serious show, and we're getting a, a little bit of everything in this one. But I did enjoy what I took as the three like three Easter eggs as a nod to Life Day. <laughs> um, the, oh, you the, found the, three. Uh, I, the, I, 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 I only yeah. got the one, man. I only got the one. Like, <laughs> Right yeah. in your face, like that comment. Yeah, because they, because uh, I took it as three that were, um, you know, quick little nods to the Star Wars holiday special. Because yeah, like the ghoul said, there's a mention of Life Day. Um, then there's then there's a um, one of uh, <coughs> the Mandalorian's weapons is a stun rifle, which is the exact same rifle that Boba Fett uses in the holiday special, and then. Um, later on, they make a reference to the Mandalorians riding the Mytho Beast, which I believe was the beast that Boba Fett was riding in the holiday special. So I, so I, so, so, so I took it as three nods right there. Um, uh, very surprised to see Nick Nolte in the episode, <laughs> playing the role that he played. Nick Nolte? Um, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Nick. Yeah, Nick Nolte was in there. Did you catch that ghoul? <laughs> no. Where was Nick Nolte? <laughs> he, he 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 was the Ugnaught that kept going. I've spoken. Oh, Nick, get out of here! Was it really? It's, yes, it was, <laughs> man. <laughs> that, no. that was Nick fucking Nolte, man. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> Google, where are you? But, yeah, um, then, like the ghoul said, there was a scene at the end that really threw me for a loop, and it makes me wonder if um, maybe they're going to possibly, because of the way this episode has gone, you know, a little Western, a little sci-fi, just a little weird, wondering if possibly a lone wolf and cub kind of feel. Maybe down the road. Uh, That's kind of what I was thinking as well. Um. So, yeah, so that's why I'm not mentioning what's, what it was, you know, at this point, in case somebody hasn't seen it yet. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we'll get into spoiler-specific as we uh, move along with the series and, yeah. and go from there. But, uh, but yeah, that uh, yeah, that was Nick Nolte. Yeah. Holy cow, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, there's no yeah. recognizing him like that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually look at the fucking cast list or something. That wasn't happening. Yeah. I was too shocked. Um, I believe yeah. that this, uh, I do know that the series is taking place seven years after the Battle of Yavin. So this is, uh, I guess, like a year or two after Return of the Jedi. All right, cool. Um, there, they even threw in a nod to the Ewok movies. Um, there was a quick little nod to those. Jump, jump. Um, <laughs> but like, 
like not getting into it, so I don't do any spoilers or anything. If you're a Star Wars fan, just do yourself a favor and check it out. Uh, check out this piece of extended universe and just let's all enjoy the ride together and see where it, see where it goes. Huh. Oh yeah. I thought you were gonna say the surprise was like Gary Busey showing up at the end going, Oh man, this is space shit. It's like Gary Busey? <laughs> man, I knew no, he was gonna show up somewhere. Man. <laughs> if, if they got Nolte, you know, can't be far behind, man. Riding up on a space scooter, whatever the hell they ride. <laughs> Tom Atkins is gonna be in episode three. <laughs> I love with that. His space, with his space dash. <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody call for an actor? Tom Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. My, I would watch it. My, I'd watch it. Meister Brown on a cigar, man. <laughs> okay, so that is Mandalorian. So yeah, go ahead, monkey. No, I was just, no, I was just gonna say the same thing. Was that Mandalorian? Yeah, just check it out. <laughs> and you too can do the, I guess, weekly recaps of Mandalorian for anybody that's interested at home that watches along with the monkey and the ghoul. I'm sure you guys can recap the episodes and talk about things like we do with another show that we've been watching, American Horror Story, 1984. Uh, are you guys caught up with the last week's episode? Fuck yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So last week we had the episode Rest in Pieces, which is episode eight. We get the return of Bruce the Hitchhiker, played by Dylan McDermott, who was on his way to the camp in a fancy little K-car with a woman in tow. We also have the battle between Richard Ramirez and Jingles that we've always been waiting for. Brooke and Donna make it to the camp. Kajagoogoo, still alive, but they're ghosts now. Uh, so you <laughs> can see Kajagoogoo back. And better than yeah, ever, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, a reporter is going with Donna and Brooke to the camp, but she unfortunately dies at the hands of Bruce, Margaret Booth, and also Richard Ramirez. And we get a great nod to Friday 13th, 1980, when Benjamin Richter himself is dying in a boat and he gets dragged under by his brother, Bobby. (laughs) I believe that this might be the last time we see him. This might be his version of heaven. I think that he might be out. My predictions for this week, uh, episode nine, which is final girl, which is the scene finale. We're not only going to be concluding 1989, but we're going to go into 2019 and we're going to see Bobby Benjamin Richter's son going to the camp to kind of tie up some loose ends about what happened back in the uh, eighties. So, I thought the episode was great. A lot of great homages. I love seeing Trevor trying to get back with uh, Montana. But in order to do that, he's got to kill himself. And she goes, I'm a monster. Don't really want that. Uh, Brooke trying to embrace her killer side with the reporter. A lot of fun things going on here with Richard Ramirez and Jingles. It's nice to see Jingles finally get his heaven, in a way, with his brother Bobby and his mom and a loving family once more. So it leads to a lot of questions about what that place is underneath the water. Uh, so I want to give it to you, Monkey, first. What did you think about Rest in Pieces? The, the episode was fun. It's like when they did the oh, Friday the 13th homage, if you will, like I was like, holy fuck, they went there? Like, the, you know, no, no no apologies, full bore. You know, it's like, yes, we're definitely going there. You know, we get the little thing of cutting to heaven. Um, but at the same time, I don't take it as that's Jingle's heaven. You know, that that's his mom's heaven. You know, and he now has the option to stay there because mom finally got what she wanted. You know, the, the, the son that she always wanted back. So I don't. So I don't think Jingles is going to be done. I think that they're, they're definitely going to, you know, definitely possibly keep him in because it's he has to go back and protect his son. 
So I so I really don't think he's gonna give that up. Um <clears throat> Yeah, and then the whole scene with Montana, I took that as Montana you know, in in kind of in a fucked up way, admitting that she was in love with him. You know, and she wanted him to live and not be trapped. But again, lot lots of fun in this episode, lots of stuff kept you know, this episode definitely kept moving and just when I thought things were starting to drag a little bit, it picked back up. It picked up its humor, you know, its dark humor again, and got the ball rolling again for the final episode. Mm-hmm. And what are your predictions for tonight? This is the finale. Final girl. See, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a thing of, we're gonna, you know, he's going to go, he still has to go, uh, Jingle still has to go up against Rodriguez. You know, we still have to have that fight because he's, he can't let Rodriguez get to his son. So Ramirez. I think we're gonna have Ramirez. something there. Ramirez, sorry, Ramirez. Um, and we still gotta see what's gonna go on at the rock concert, man. With everything except Billy Idol, you know, because we're not gonna hurt. Billy. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's gonna be a slaughter. We know, you know who knows. We know Kaja Gugu ain't gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll be there in some way, shape, or form. Um, I definitely think that Margaret isn't going to be killed. I think she's going to be found guilty of these murders because I think that jail time is a worse sentence than being killed and being stuck at that camp. That's my two cents. But, uh, Ghoul, what did you think about Rest in Pieces, and what are your predictions for Final Girl? I uh, I kind of agree with Monkey. I don't think that that's the end of, uh, of Jangles. If it is, I'll be heavily disappointed with that ending for him. Um, I think that, you know, that everything has been geared towards him and Ramirez having this, this big clash, and we should see that fight. Uh, yeah, everything else played out kind of kinda to expectation. I thought the whole little play with uh, Brooke, Donna, and the, uh, the reporter chick was, uh, was a little bit of fun. I was really expecting Brooke to kill her, so to have Donna stop her was, uh, was quite funny. Uh, and yeah, I mean, aside from that, as far as predictions go, I think this, you know, I think the episode will have an ending. I'm not making any calls on anything, man, because, you know, they're going to go how they're going to go with it. I can see Margaret being at the camp to be tortured by everybody forever more than oh, her going good, to prison. Good. Ooh, that's a good, good one. Cool. That's a good call because, you know, Xavier and the Jingles imposters do like their torture. They do like to torture Jingles and make him feel bad about what he did. So that's a good prediction. I mean, I'm going to be sad to see it go, honestly, because this has been the best season, I think, so far, mm-hmm. in my opinion, of American Horror Story. I mean, I've seen it, quite a few of them, and this is the mm-hmm. first one that's really got me every week, where I can't fucking wait till the next episode. It's been my well, favorite since Freak Show. I wanted to ask you guys, just because you watched a lot of these series, uh, does American Horror Story normally have this many nods um, to its um, subject matter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what the subject matter is, yeah. That's what it's absolutely. all about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they they touch on every – it doesn't matter what the season is. Whatever that season is, they touch upon it. Now, next season, uh, season 10, usually what Ryan Murphy likes to do in one of the episodes is plant clues. And pretty much in-your-face clues is what next season is going to be. So there's a lot of speculation that next season is going to be all about aliens and Bigfoot. 
because of what the reporter from the Inquirer had said. Back in the 70s, everybody just cared about Bigfoot and aliens and all that weird paranormal shit. So they're thinking that that might be the clue as to what they're going to do next season. Brian Murphy, of course, is being mum about that. But I'd be interested to see if that's what they do. But I just I don't know how you could top 84. That's just It was class. Aliens, aliens make a lot of sense because they have not touched that yet. No. And it would make a lot of sense. They haven't touched yet. They haven't really done cryptids yet, really. You know, I mean, it would be cool to see Mothman, you know, or Bigfoot. Okay. So the cryptozoology? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing cryptids. If that's where they were going to do it. Because, like the Gold said, they haven't really touched that stuff yet. Aliens, cryptos, like, they haven't really touched upon that much yet. So it would be kind of cool to see them go maybe even Monster of the Week style, where it's kind of like an In Search Of every week where it's a different monster every week. I'd be okay with that, too. <laughs> like X-Files? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like X-Files. But doing dumb the American Horror Story way. Okay. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see tonight. The episode premieres on FX, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you know, I usually watch the episode on the weekends because we do the show tonight, and then I don't really have time. So uh, I'll definitely be checking out the season finale, and you'll have to check out what we thought about the season finale next week uh, when we discuss it. Uh, if the doc is back, he might have to cover his ears because I believe he's five back. <laughs> so he's got a lot of catching yeah. up to do. Yeah, he'll just have to take out the earbuds because we're definitely covering it next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we always do. Um, and I know you guys talked about The Mandalorian, the Disney Plus show, and talking about new things that we've caught up on. Uh, the one quick thing I wanted to talk about that I actually watched last night was a new release that's available on VOD right now. So wherever you get your VOD, whether it be Xbox or Hulu or any of those streaming services, there's a movie called Antrim, a.k.a. the deadliest movie ever made, which is directed by David Amito and Michael Lassini. <clears throat> what really attracted me to it was that it was presented like a cursed film that there's a film that was made in the late 70s called Antrim, and everybody that's watched it has met an untimely death. Back in 1988, there was a Budapest theater that caught fire, and there was 56 deaths attributed to the film itself. And throughout the course of this fake documentary, you actually get to watch the entirety of the film of Antrim. So you get to see the, the beginning, middle, and end of it, and a wraparound story with the documentary. But what really fascinated me about this movie, and I hope everybody gets to check it out, is that it uses binaural beats for the soundtrack. What? Binaural beats is a fascinating thing. And binaural beats are auditory beats that are used to create a certain sensation within you psychologically. So they could be used to create something of euphoria, or they could be used to create something nightmarish. But it's not something that you notice. So that's why if you watch this movie, either watch it with the volume up or watch it like I did with the headphones on. Because it's the audio beats that they use to create a sense of unease. And when I found out that they were actually doing that throughout the movie, I was impressed. Because the movie itself, it's nothing spectacular. But there is a sense of dread that kind of permeates through the film. Mm -hmm. And when I found out that they were using binaural beats, it works. Because I use binaural beats when I try to go to sleep at night. <clears throat> when I can't sleep, I put on YouTube videos of binaural beats, and it helps. It puts me you, to sleep. I thought you just masturbated. <laughs> that doesn't always work. Sometimes I want to masturbate again. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it's a funny thing it works. 
<laughs> on those on those binaural beats by Dre. <laughs> yeah. But if you really audience at home or even to you guys, if you're interested in re- reading more about binaural beats, check it out because it is a fascinating thing okay. that these certain beats and measures can be used to create things that are nightmarish or, or fun. And somebody that suffers from insomnia like I do, it helps. Ghoul, what were you going to say? Uh, all I was going to say is, I mean, like, okay, I get, like, they, they did whatever they did with their binaural beats. <laughs> I swear, every time you said <laughs> fucking words, I was just laughing harder and harder and harder. Um, I'm down with the binaural beats. <laughs> but, I mean, I think we, we brought it up multiple, many, many times on the show, how important, you know, music and score and stuff like that are to a film. And I think that's the thing, you know, when you look at a lot of horror films, you know, they, they use that sound effects and score and music in order to kind of set the pace and the mood and all of that. Like, I know with, right. uh, with the monkey, I had said that one of the things that I found a little bit disappointing with The Mandalorian was actually the lack of score. Um, I felt like mm. it was very subdued for it, especially being that it's a Star Wars uh Project, yeah, agree. Because right? I, I always find music to be completely tied to the Star Wars, you know, series. You know, I remember having like every single variation of the soundtracks of those films, like when they did those special editions John back in. Yeah, when they did like the John Williams, like the big box set back in like the early nineties, mm. like you know, I, mm. I had that on CD. You know, those those, those silvery mm. discs that we used to put in machines to play music. Um, some of us but, still uh, do. Yeah, no, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at uh, at these binaural beats of yours. And, uh, I'll, but, I'll, I'll, I like I said, I mean, you know, we, we we can all have a laugh about them, and it's fine. I mean, it is kind of silly. But, you know, when you're looking for a way to fall yeah. asleep and you just can't just by jacking off, you know, it, it, it helps. Yeah. It really does. I mean, there's millions of YouTube videos on binaural sounds. And how they could affect. I mean, you could literally create a nightmare for somebody just by playing this at a certain volume. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fascinating stuff. No, and I'm going with this because if that's a thing, and it's, uh, I take it it's subdued tones that are put into the movie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just tone. Okay. Like a. Okay. Then, um, like, how come this isn't used more than in movies in general? It should be. I completely agree that it should how be. Do, and it's just it's something that needs that to be used more. not, man? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a good question. Yeah. It could be. You know, this is just something that I've recently found out about in the last year. You know, these binaural sounds and tones and things like that. So, you know, like the girl said, you might be right. There might be a ton of movies that use it, you know, and we just never notice. But any movie, I think, that creates a sense of unease just to the soundtrack alone, I think it qualifies as a binaural sensation. Binaural through, th- through THX. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, Alien, I, I've always felt was a movie that the sound, you know, is what struck you just as much as what you were seeing yeah. visually. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the you know, one, the first the two. Sh- but yeah. both, well, both the, the first second movie was one. an action film, though, you know. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah complete action film. The, the Shining, another example where music and sound, you know, those synthesizer like, like yeah, all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, but even that opening theme in The Shining, though, it's just it's disturbing. Like even when you hear it now, just a sense of dread when you hear that that <laughs> opening. You know, it's so weird. But speaking of The Shining, 
the sequel, or not so much sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep, directed by Michael Flanagan, came out this past weekend. And it didn't really perform as well as I think a lot of people had wanted it to. But what I really did love is that Stephen King went on the Twitter and he said, you know what, Dr. Sleep didn't perform as well as everybody wanted it to. But you know what, people love the book. I hope people love the movie. And if you like them both, great. So it's not a situation of like, well, this movie is supposed to be fucking a billion-dollar movie. Like, you know, it's him saying, listen, if you liked it, great. If you liked the book, great. But maybe it's not for everybody. And I kind of like his reaction, where it wasn't like, fuck, this movie didn't make a lot of money. What the fuck am I going to do now? What? It's just, you what? know, it's not, it's not for you, it's not for you. What, King, King's not getting up on the soapbox and they're talking about how it's one of the scariest fucking movies out there and you need to go see it? He said he, that already, he, but, <laughs> yeah. but his reaction to Dr. Sleep itself not performing as well as people thought it would, like, it's just, a, a, I like his reaction, which is just like, listen, you know what, it's a good movie, it's a good book, you know, if you like it, great, if you don't, you don't, you know, what can you do? But mm. they had said before Dr. Sleep came out that they were already planning on having Mike Flanagan back to direct a spinoff based entirely around Dick Holleran. The main character in Dr. Sleep, played what? by Carl Lumley, played by Scatman Carruthers in The Shining. But the low numbers. Yeah. The low numbers may affect that. I don't know if they will affect it or not. But I personally would love to see a Dick Holleran spinoff because I thought that Carl Lumley, uh, I haven't seen Dr. Sleep yet, but I love the look of Carl Lumley because it looks just like Scatman Carruthers. You know, I could buy it. But, uh, <laughs> Ghoul, you're the only one of us that has seen Dr. Sleep so far. I'm planning on going to see it on Sunday. But I wanted to get your initial kind of opinion of Dr. Sleep with no spoilers. Um, and if we could definitely see a Dick Holler and spinoff. Uh, well, I mean, any kind of spinoff would be a prequel, obviously. Um, so can yeah. it be done? Yeah, it can be done. Um, you know, we know that the cat. So that's, that's that. Uh it was, uh, yeah, listen, I mean, I saw two movies this weekend, you know, and I saw them both on the same day. Uh, you know, I still have one pass left for the week, but what I did was on Saturday, I took, uh, you know, I took, I took my trans kid, um, Zach, over to, to the movies, and we watched Doctor Sleep. Now, Zach's got no experience or knowledge of The Shining in any way, um, has never seen it, does not really watch horror movies on a regular basis, or at all, um, and he sat rooted in the seat for two and a half hours, completely mesmerized by what he saw on screen, completely oh, nice. fell into the story, loved the characters, loved everything that, that he was seeing with it, um, you know, I thought it was a, uh, a solid solid little film. I mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, I know it's underperforming, but I think that has a lot to do with, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I really think that a lot of it has to do with fucking It Chapter 2 kind of sucking. I think mm, that really maybe. took a lot of wind out of the Stephen King sales, man. Everybody was all up on it. Everybody was waiting for It, 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 Chapter 2 is going to be so awesome. Wow, yay. Yet you look at the box office numbers for that one, yeah, they're up there, well. but he, they, they're not getting anywhere near what they did with Chapter 1. Um, you know, so I think that balloon, you know, just went a little... Um, so, plus, you know, they released it on Veterans Day. Originally, they were thinking of releasing this in January. Then they were talking about trying to bump it up to be in the Halloween season. And then it fell into November. 
and it fell into mm. Veterans Day weekend. It fell into yeah. Veterans Day weekend when a movie called Midway was coming out by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> you know, yeah. which was the a other film movie. that I saw on this on this weekend. You know, which you know I personally felt was, and that one I saw on my own. That one I felt was a little bit uh, underwhelming, to be perfectly honest with you. I know a lot of people have said mm. that you know it's the worst freaking war movie they've seen since Pearl Harbor. Um, mm. I don't know. I only watched Pearl Harbor once. <laughs> I, being that yeah, this is a Roland that, Emmerich that, movie, you, you know, I'm thinking one. Independence that's Day that's level that. stuff. I'm thinking like I want to see the big spectacle. I like disaster. Uh, you know, you guys have mm. the technology to do this. I uh, I wasn't all that impressed with Midway's trailers. I mean, I knew I was going to see mm, it, me too. but I wasn't like, oh my god, I can't wait to see this damn movie. Um, I'm more impressed than waiting to see 
And I definitely, uh, midway, I'm going to go see on Saturday with my dad for his birthday. I'm going to take him out to go see it because he really wants to go see Midway. And plus, I want to add it to the library of Cinema episodes because we just did White House last week. Uh, Midway is another one. I know the good one I talked about doing. Dr. Sleep is another one. So we got a couple movies that we're adding to the library of Cinema as we speak. Uh, but Midway and Dr. Sleep are going to be, uh, be for me this weekend. Um, so I don't want to go too much into Midway because I want to save it for that episode. Um, and Dr. Sleep but, waits for Talking Terror, man. Dr. Sleep does okay, not all right. So we'll take Talking Terror. We bring that all here. Right. We bring that to our horror fans, man. So I think uh, we'll do Midway for an upcoming episode. I know Jojo Rabbit is another one uh, that I want to bring up on Cinema and also 1917. So we'll get there. We're building something, guys, on that show. So we hope you stay tuned for more episodes of that. Uh, but speaking of Disney+, Plus, because we talked about it earlier on the show, Marvel is coming out with a show called What If, which basically takes some moments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and reimagines them into a show. And one of the episodes coming out next year in 2020 is going to be Zombie Captain America versus Winter Soldier. And they released some of the art. I put it on the Facebook Talking Terror page. I think it looked awesome because I love the Marvel Zombies line. So is there things for What If that you kind of want to see them do? Because this is like, what if, you know, like, what if we did this? Yeah. We can't do it in the movies, but we could do it for this streaming service uh, series. Because uh, well, there's well, a whole no. bunch of things I'd love to see. No, what so if has been around for a long those. time. <laughs> no, what mm-hmm. if has been around for a long time. It's been around uh, from the 70s up into the 80s, and then they rebooted again in the 90s right. and brought, brought it back for a little while. And it's a fun little, it's, it's a fun piece of Marvel that you can that you used to be able to pick up where it's just a single issue. You, it wasn't. Ne- it was never a continuing story. So if you just wanted to get a quick fix and pick up a comic book that you could read on your own, it was a fun thing and it taught you some Marvel history. And it was always, hmm. you know, what if we took this situation and turned it around? Okay, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, stuff like, what, what if Spider-Man had joined the X-Men? What if X-Men had lost Inferno? What if Invisible Woman had actually di- died uh, fighting Krang? You know, uh, what if the Punisher uh, family had never been killed? That kind of stuff were all actual issues <laughs> that I can recall right off the top of my head for what if. But, yeah, it could definitely work. Ghoul, what do you think, man? Well, it's an animated series, um, but they did get a lot of the actors and actresses from the Marvel Cinematic Universe to come in and do the voices for their characters when they're they're needed. Um, oh, sweet. I've always I've always loved the What If series of comics. Uh, I think I, at the very least, I know there's at least three series. You know, there was the original run, there was the, the second run through the 90s, and then I think they did, they rebooted it again in like somewhere in the 2000s. After I oh, stopped, okay. uh, stopped collecting, uh, my Pleasure. favorite personal <laughs> one was "What If the Fantastic Four's Second Child Lived." Um, that was uh, one of the uh, the larger oh, that was a good issues, one. and it takes it gives you two sides of the story. What if she's bad? What if she's good? Uh, it was just it was a fantastic like it had me riveted, man. Like I, that that was one that I actually wished like it was the real universe because I'd want to know what the hell was gonna happen next. <laughs> 
Uh, those those are the ones that I want to see. I want to see some of my favorites. But being that they've got some of the actors and actresses, I think they're also going to play on the movie stuff too. So that'll be kind of cool. What if Thanos won the Infinity War? You know, and, and all that kind right. of stuff. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be one of the uh, one of the Marvel series on Disney Plus. It's an exclusive and an original. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I saw the art for Captain America as zombie Captain America, and I was excited because Marvel zombies, it's one of those impossible things to kind of make into a feature, but I would love to see what they could do with it in animated sense. Because animation, you can do whatever you want. You know, it's just to have all those characters, though, It's just and to follow that storyline, even though it was a very small arc. Like I said, I only really knew about What If kind of briefly, but I thought with What If, they're going to do a complete reboot, and basically, like the ghoul had said, take it into the realm of what if Thanos won the Infinity War? You know, what if this happened? What if Tony didn't die at the end of uh, Endgame? You know, that type of stuff. You know, and, and do it from that standpoint. And I thought it could be fun because it's animated. You can do whatever you want in animation. So it, it kind of works in a lot of ways. So I'm excited to see what they do um, with that, especially if they bring in zombies. <laughs> Always welcome. Yeah, and the fact that they're uh, willing to tap into the what if line, again, just fun episodes, so, you know, you're definitely looking at single-shot episodes, not grand story arcs, so that you can just come in, watch an episode, and drop right back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, with uh, Stephen King being really hot with all his books and all his movies, and that's what we've been talking about a lot lately, R.L. Stein is another one that a lot of people uh, talk about every so often, not as much as Stephen King, uh, with the amount of uh, movies and books that he's done, R.L. Stein being most notably for Goosebumps and for his Fear Street books. Uh, He is now working with HBO Max, which I guess is another streaming service uh, for HBO, and he's going to be doing uh, Point Fear for uh, HBO Max, which is going to be a series based on the Point Horror books from the 90s. So if anybody listening out there was young enough like I was in the 90s to read those books, Point Horror books were basically just retreads of older books that they had in the scholastic line. Uh, R.L. Stein was not the only author that did it. There was also Diane Ho, there was Richard Tereski, Christopher Pike, Caroline B. Cooney. They all wrote these books under the Point Horror banner. But R.L. Stein was the one that wrote the most. So now he wants to take some of those books and make them into series, like The Babysitter, Blind Date, The Snowman, some of his offbeat books, and make them into a series. And I think it's great because... Stephen King gets a lot of the attention, but I felt like R.L. Stein was the Stephen King for people that were kids in the 90s like myself, where it was, they were scary, but they were, like, more accessible. Yeah, I agree 100%, man, because also in the, like, in the, eight, in the 80s, you had to, if you wanted to go to horror, it's like you had to take the big leap and, you know, go straight into Stephen King. That was the right. cool thing about the 90s is you, you had these sets, you know, you had Goosebumps, you know, then you had Fear Street, you know, and you were able to work your way up to uh, King and Barker and stuff like that instead of taking the big jump, you know. <laughs> and I thought that was part of the reason why we also had so many um, younger people and possibly more PG-13 horror movies at that time because more people actually wanted to get into the theaters to see them. I I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you're too familiar with R.L. Stein, uh, Ghoul, but like I said, I, I think it's cool that he's getting his name out there. Aside from the Goosebumps I mean, movies with Jack Black. 
I mean, obviously, listen, I know, I know the Goosebumps series. Um, I, I jumped over the R.L. Stein books, you know, like I went straight from reading, I, I was reading at a very young age and really went to like adult fiction and stuff like that by the time I was probably about seven or eight. Um, right. as crazy as that sounds, I skipped over a lot of the kids and teen stuff and just went uh, straight to the source. And Stephen King was, uh, was one of those. And it's interesting, now, uh, Monkey, that you brought up PG-13 horror. Uh, but what I were you going to say before I get in the next Okay, go ahead. But I was gonna yep. get, no, that's, what, that's how you segue, baby. No, go ahead, because I was going to say, with the PG-13 movies, what's this news about Black Friday? Being Black Christmas, not Black Friday. I mean, Black, <laughs> I'm sorry, Black Christmas, sorry. <laughs> that was my segue, uh, and you stole it. God fucking damn it, Monkey. You stole my segue. Jesus. Well, you, like, you know, you, you I... Pa- you passed you pass the baton back to me, and I dropped it, and I tripped on the track. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get one moment of thunder for episode, and that was the one. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Black Christmas, which comes out uh, next month on the 13th, uh, Blumhouse officially has stated that the movie is going to be rated PG-13. The movie is directed by Sophia Takal with the script by April Wolf. I know that the trailers gave away a lot. Uh, I was disappointed by that because I wanted them to keep a lot of it hidden as far as what the movie's going to be about. Uh, one of the reasons I'm excited for it is that it's female-driven. Female director, female writer, female cast. I think that females can kill it in horror, literally and figuratively, and I love to see that they're taking more of a mainstay <laughs> in these movies. But, again, it's fucking going to be so much better than 2006's Black Xmas, which I did see on Christmas Day, back in 2006, and I walked out of the theater and what the fuck was that? So, I'm hoping that Black Christmas, despite being PG-13, again, I'm an advocate for PG-13 horror movies, because there's been a couple out there, like Happy Death Day, that buck the trend that you don't have to make it R to make a good movie. You don't. You can make a good horror movie and still have a PG-13. You don't have to have right. all of the boobs and blood to make a good horror movie. But on the flip side, though, man, on a lot of the forums that I, you know, I'm a part of, man, you, we have a lot of upset horror fans out there. That I know, unbelievable, that, unbelievable. That, that want, well, they want a traditional remake, man. They they because they they love the original and they want this one to, be, you know, be be true to the original content. Now, and, want, it, and, yeah. and yeah. this is what I wanted to ask you, both of you guys, is. Because I haven't seen Black Christmas yet, yet. All right, but do you Go think my copy. this movie? Do you think this movie can be made PG thirteen and still get all everything across that the original movie got across? Both of you guys. Go. I talked a lot, so I'll give it to you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I didn't find the original one to be all that. You know, like I don't know. I would think that if the original. And it's been a while since I've seen the first Black Christmas. Um, but if my memory serves me right for it, I don't remember anything in that that if it was to come out today would make that a rated R. Was there nudity in it? I can't remember. One brief scene. Very brief. Okay. Like, so brief, you blink and you miss it. And for the most part, though, it wasn't very bloody, you know what I mean? It nope. wasn't all that gory, so... It should easily it would easily fall into a PG thirteen film, um, so I don't know. I guess listen. The fact is this: if the performances are good and the leads are solid, it's going to be an enjoyable movie. 
Um, I thought that the 1974 film had a lot of potential. I did not. I, I know we actually ended up discussing it on the show in one of the earlier episodes of uh, Talking Terror. Sure. Um, I, w- I wasn't the biggest a fan of it, if I remember it right, but I did see where the slasher genre took its cues from that film, and I can appreciate that. The remake that came out in like 03 or 06 or whatever year that was. Oh six. Uh huh. Oh six. I uh, you know, I, I vaguely remember that one, but you know what? Again, it had good-looking women in it, so it was kind of yeah. hard <laughs> to not, you know, like not be enamored by the whole film because you know what? Yeah, you had eye candy the entire time. It was the first one being in '74. I mean, listen, it had Olivia Hussey, who. You know, it was Juliet in the Romeo and Juliet movie from like the sixties and She showed know, her tits in that one. That she's gorgeous. And oh yeah, no, I remember that in high school, man. Um beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful young woman, beautiful older woman, and her daughter now is, is drop dead gorgeous as well. Smoking um up. yes. 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 Uh, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. It's, it's coming out in a couple weeks, and again, you know, you know, I'll be there to see it. So myself uh, included. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like cool. You brought up the best example though is that the '74 film easily could be rated PG-13 if it was released today. That movie was more about atmosphere. It was all about where the killer is, where he is in the house, when he's going to attack. You know, why is he making these phone calls? Yes, he drops a couple f bombs. But the blood is so light in that movie. It's not even really used that much until Margot Kidder gets killed. Then you see a little bit of blood. But other than that, it's very light. The 2006 version, they wanted to show breasts. They wanted to show violence. They wanted to show cannibalism. They wanted to get everything out of their system that the original <laughs> didn't have. And it was just like... He wasn't, um, it was like, he was like having the monkey living in your house. <laughs> yeah, it was. Just constantly breathing into the phone and going, oh, what are you wearing? Oh, I want to suck your titties. I want to suck your titties. Like, you know, <laughs> he didn't know where he was in the house. And <laughs> Billy, Billy, you bad boy. But it doesn't deter me from going to see it. And like the monkey had said, there are a lot of fans on Facebook today that are going, fuck this movie now. It's rated PG-13. Fuck it. I don't even care. That's horrible. Bad move, guys. You haven't even seen it yet. Like, you can't say it's a bad move until you've actually seen the movie. Then make a decision based on that. You can't say early on, oh, no, I'm never going to see this movie because it's rated PG-13. It could be excellent. We don't know. See the movie and then base your opinion on that. But I hate when people automatically assume it's going to be a bomb because it's rated PG-13. Give it a chance. Yeah, chances are that it'll have less to do with its rating than, than to do with the quality of the film itself. But, you know, speaking yeah. of movies that end up getting changes made to them, uh, you know, due to the enormous outcry of fans everywhere hating on the design, they just recently Sonic re-released the, the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog with his newly designed, <laughs> looking like the video game character. Does it look better? And I guess 
And well, I guess everybody on the everybody on the internet loves it. You know, they're all like, "Yay, we got our voices heard, and we're fucking heroes <laughs> now, and this and that." You know, like listen, people. The fact of the matter is, it's still a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog movie, okay? And if you don't fucking remember the game all that well, the original premise of the game was you were a fucking goddamn blue hedgehog that ran around in circles, freeing his little fucking fuzzy animal friends from the little robotic creations they got stuffed into. It's not. Very deep. So, with that being said, yeah. you enjoy that fucking movie, okay? Because it's still going to be a mm. shitty movie, yeah. even with him looking the way he looks. It's, That's it's what really made me mad about that. Yeah, go ahead, Monkey. It, it, it's going to be a horrible movie. Uh, I don't think Jim Carrey is going to help this movie in any way, shape, or form as Dr. Robotnik. Um, no, but, no, thank but, you. But, but the original <laughs> designs... The original designs were fucking horrible. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I gotta agree with the fans, man. They were bad. It, it looked like, uh, how, how it looked like Howard the Duck, you know, had sex with a hand puppet, and this is what came out. You know, it, it, it just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I liked the creepy. <laughs> I liked it. It was so creepy and freaky looking. I loved it. I loved it. Because that's where I disagree with you, monkey. The director released it. He had his image. He had his Sonic, and he was releasing it. But you have fucking keyboard warriors going, excuse me, studio. I don't like the way that Sonic looks in this movie. Change it immediately, or I'm not seeing your movie. They had enough of those fucking fanboys where they actually had to go back and change Sonic the Hedgehog to look like, fuck you guys. That's what the movie is. See it or don't see it. We don't care. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry. You know, these fans are just outrageous. They're writing to the studio going, I'm never going to see your movie because Sonic looks weird. Shut up. Like, you fucking 80-year-old man that's living at home with your parents. Well, no, the best is going to be this, okay? Because even though the movie studio went and went all through this, okay? They, they paid all the artists to redesign this and do all of that. If the fucking box offices, as, as things have been constantly being reported with movie theaters, if they are to be showing anybody anything, even though they went and redesigned all this shit, nobody is still going to go see the fucking movie because everybody's so busy no. pirating shit and stealing shit off the fucking internet anyway. So why fucking bother, okay? I know when I go to see it, it's going to be like me and like seven other people that probably all have A-list. And we're all going to look at each other at some point and be like, yeah, since we didn't pay for it, that's why we're fucking here today. And that'll be that, you know? Everybody's nodding at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, A-list. I know... I know when it comes out, I'm going to have to take my son because he is actually a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan as far as the games are concerned. Um, and there were times where uh, there were some cartoons in the 90s and stuff like that. There were two series of cartoons, and one of them was shit, pure, pure shit. All right, mm-hmm. And then there, was another, then there was another one that was actually pretty high quality where the storyline was pretty messed up, man, where it was in this far-flung future where – it was actually a lot like the Terminator and stuff like that, where you had these uh, robotic creatures going around and taking over anyone that was alive. It was like a weird version of like um, Terminator mixed with Captain Power from back in the day, and but they were taking ah. over the, the land that Sonic the Hedgehog lived in. You know, it was a dark, mm-hmm. dark cartoon, but then so were a lot of those <laughs> children's cartoons in the nineties. <laughs> this, this this looks like for the Hill Valley region. 
Um, <laughs> you know, because exactly, it seems like Sonic starts in Sonic Realm, goes through one of his fucking portals, and ends up in our world. And it's the fish out of water. Oh. With Robot- oh. Robotnik following him. Now, I don't know if Robotnik comes from his world or if Robotnik's in our world and then goes to his world. No idea what any of those details yet. Again, all jokes aside, that's, you know, I'm having a gag with it. Uh, I am to have fun watching the movie. I'm sure it's, like I said, though, it's going to probably be bad. I have very low expectations for it. But is what it is, man. Is what it is. But nobody's funny, bitching though, about Robotnik? Robotnik? A fat fucking ginger? But they're not changing that. They're not changing that. They're like, we got Jim Carrey. We paid Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's staying. Because you know what? It's not like they can get rid of Jim Carrey, hire somebody else, and still not have to pay Jim Carrey. I happen to put this into the internet real quick. And this is what comes up. Andy... The Talking Hedgehog, which came out of May in 2019, is a Google Play film that stars Tara Reid and Dean Cain, in which after a magical chance encounter with her fairy best friend forever, a young girl's wish for her pets to speak is granted. When word gets out about the talking animals, a pair of crooks will stop at nothing to kidnap Andy, the Talking Hedgehog. I'm not a hedgehog. That's, that's I'm a, a king of horror. That's a movie somewhere. Andy, Andy the talking hedgehog horror host. <laughs> Andy, you hedgehog. <laughs> Dear studio, I listen to Talking Terror every Wednesday night, and he is not a hedgehog. He's a very knowledgeable horror guy, and that's why I like listening to him. He is not. He would never be in a movie with Tara Reid. Excuse me, dedicated fan, no longer. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of Andy the Hedgehog doesn't sound anything like Andy on Talking Terror. <laughs> it's, you know, just, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like he smoked a pack of cigarettes and he's not drunk. Why is he not drunk? <laughs> Why didn't you just hire Andy outright? Seriously, he's just cheap. Just hire him. Why do you have to get another voice actor? It's not right. I'm banning you for life. <laughs> he's available, and you didn't even call him. You didn't call him once. What the hell, guys? Never listening ever again to your movies. <laughs> You know what I don't understand? <laughs> I, I don't get the artist, okay, that originally designed the character for this movie, right? Who was like, right. hey, you know, I'm going to come up with a realistic-looking design for this character. Like, he sat down, came up with, you know, obviously br- brainstormed with a bunch of other artists and other people. They all threw these different designs out there. And someone somewhere said, yes, this this fucking weird, odd-looking, small-eyed, blue, furry creature is the most realistic-looking fucking thing we could possibly come up with. It is Sonic the fucking Hedgehog, man. Looking, looking like it just got out of a bath, it's still wet. You know, it's fur. It's all, all fucked oh, up. Oh, it's wet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm never going to go see it. I don't care. You know, but I just, uh, I just, I love the fans. I don't like it's it. It's a Change February it. release. It's a February 14th release. It's, it's, it's coming out. You know, right around that Valentine's Day. So I'm sure Perfect. it'll uh, Valentine's Day. I'm going to take my fake girlfriend. I'm going to go see Sonic, and it's, I'm going to get front row seats, and we're going to take it, and we're going to go see it. You don't have a girlfriend. Yes, I do. She was in Canada. You just don't know her. Her name's Jennifer. 
<laughs> yeah, her name is Jennifer. She's totally cool. You wouldn't get her. Okay, all right. Well, calm well, down there, Sonic fanboy. Uh, well, well, hold, hold on, Ant. Oh, oh, past week. oh what's really? That? Sonic, mm. it was supposed to come out November 8th, but because of the redesign, what? it pushed the movie. Mm. Yeah, it pushed the movie four months for them to redesign the character <laughs> for the film. <laughs> oh, I think man. I, I no listen. The reality is this: this is not when you release the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. You don't release the Sonic the Hedgehog movie in November or December, especially not when Disney's poised to release their next big fucking you know juggernaut Frozen film. You know, you, it just it doesn't work that way. Just like fucking releasing you know Doctor Sleep over a week after Halloween. Like, you know, if you were going to do it at this point, you needed to do it prior to Halloween. But they didn't yeah. want to push it too close, probably, to it Chapter 2. I think Countdown ended up getting all that extra money that Dr. Sleep had gotten. It. But, you know, it is what it is, man. Yeah. Fuckers need to work better. Yeah, but you are right, because you don't want to go into the Christmas season going against Frozen, going against Star Wars. You know, you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, 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 you're going to get buried. <laughs> Yep. Well, you know, we've pretty much gone off the rails at this point, so why don't we get back yeah. on the rails with the movie for tonight? Train to Busan oh, look at, from oh, 2016. Look at that, King. Oh. Hey, listen. Wow. One per episode, baby. This is your movie, so take us away to the land of Busan. Choo choo. It's not like it's a, a complicated concept. It's it's trained to Busan. Zombie outbreak in Korea. Group of people stuck on a train. Fun ensues. I mean, you know, it's a, it's listen, it's a small tight compartment. This is one of those films that, you know, I've been hearing about for years. Like a butt? Oh, totally up my butt. Um, <laughs> hearing about it again and again and again. You know, I remember all the rage when it first came out. Everybody was like, oh, it's the best zombie movie I've ever seen. Best zombie movie in 15 years. Best zombie movie ever made. Best zombie movie since fucking, you know, George Romero invented zombies. Best zombie movie since The, the Walking Dead. Um, I uh, kept avoiding it because of that. You know, I kept hearing about it and hearing about it. And then like, I remember one time I, th- I decided to start it just to watch it. And, like, literally, like, even when I put it on on Netflix this time, it was still at that point. I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't start it at the seven-minute mark. I'll go back to the beginning again. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, it's a father and a daughter on a train trip, and zombies, uh, zombies happen. So what did you guys think about it? All right, monkey, take it. Um, train to Busan. Oh, uh, yeah, because uh, I first heard about this through the doc, actually, when he uh, mentioned it that we, we all need to watch this because he was actually the first one out of all of us to see this movie. Um, and, you know, I put like the ghoul said, I put it off because, uh, you know, all the rage is going on, you know, about how it's so fucking awesome, blah, blah, blah. You know, and on top of that, when people sit there and shout awesome Mixed with zombie movie, that usually means it's going to suck really bad. Um, <laughs> just because I don't have the same taste in the zombie shit as everyone else. Um, this movie, though, yeah, zombie movie on a train. Um, did it bring anything new? Not really. Did it bring anything original? There were a couple ideas, 
but um, I took this as I was surprised about how this was a Korean, not a horror film. It's a drama, by the way, because Korea would not let this be labeled as a horror film. Um, but, um, yeah, it threw me off that we're seeing an Asian film that nailed all of the American zombie movie tropes. And while it, you know, again, didn't bring anything original, you know, or, you know, it had a few fun concepts, but at the same time, like, while it didn't bring anything great, it wasn't phenomenal, I did have a fun time watching it. It, 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 I, I did not have that lull, like, halfway through most American zombie movies. So, like, you know, um, and it, it, it just kept going. It stayed on track. And I had a good time watching. Oh, thank you. Oh, me smart. Me no drink the pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kate, what did you think of it overall? Uh, yeah, the movie came out in 2016 on Netflix, and it was one of those movies that Google said it was like, you gotta watch this fucking movie, man. Train to Busan. It's like the new thing. It's a new zombie thing. It's like recreating everything, man. You need to see it. I'm like, I'm not going to go see it because people are fucking saying it is. Like, I hate hype movies. I hate it when people hype a movie, and then I see it, and I'm like, eh, it's all right. And that's the way I felt about Train to Busan because it's – can we not call it a zombie movie? Like, uh, unpopular opinion. It's not a zombie movie. There's nothing about it that said to me this – they're not zombies. Like, it's it's like 28 Days Later over again. Agreed, but they said it in the movie. They, they, they did, they, but they, fuck they, them. Like, it's stupid because it doesn't really it, make any was, sense. <laughs> this was rabid meat snow piercer. Yes, I'll give you that. I'll, meet, I'll even give you 28 Days Later meat snow piercer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's rabid fucking mutants because of the time it takes them to. Again, they break their own fucking rules in this movie, which annoyed the shit out of me. Where it's yeah, like, okay, well, we're going to have some of them turn right away. But some of them, it's going to take a minute or two. What? Right. Okay. See, and this is what I was talking about with the zombie tropes, okay? is our, Okay, you're already hitting one of them now. Is because depending <laughs> on – depending oh, on monkey, how important the person yeah, – no, no, man. No, no. no I'm not monkey. mad. It's just – I'm just, like, noticing that they were nailing the American tropes, okay? Because depending on how important the character is to the story – that person takes longer to change because they have to sit there and, you know, have that moment of, you know, still changing over, but still being good, but still changing over, but still being good. They still got to get in another 10 minutes of dialogue before they change over while, you know, a baseball team changes over in three seconds, you know, and again, that's one of those tropes I was talking about is, you know, you got someone affected. You always have that one person that's got a bite, and they're milking it the entire fucking movie. You know, and there they were got three the of them in the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I'm just saying, you know, you always have that one person who has that one bite, like, you know, within the first quarter of the movie, and then they're milking it, and they look at it. They, you know, they cover it up. They, you know, and they keep doing that throughout the entire movie, and then the last act, they finally turn. You know, and this movie well, had that too. Yes. Okay, hold on though. All right. So in their defense, okay. All right. In their defense, many people yeah. get cancer, correct? Yeah, yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, and do does everybody die or survive at the same rate? 
Nope. I, I, I see where you're going, Google. Go ahead. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. I think that there's a lot of factors that come into play with that kind of stuff, especially in this. Now, maybe I'm looking too deeply into it, but, you know, like, I don't know. I want to look at it and say, does it depend on their immune system? Does it depend on the location of the bite? Does it depend on how many bites there are, the severity of the bite, the depth of the bite? There's got to be a number of factors that I'm sure someone somewhere has kind of, like, put together some 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 chart now i'm now and i'm not arguing that ghoul but i'm just saying that do you agree that you always have that person in in zombie movies i'm not i'm not i'm not arguing with your logic but i'm not saying, always isn't that okay that's not that's a I'm modern just, thing that's a modern that's, trope <laughs> that's yeah. not that's not classic yeah. I'm not saying we're going back. I'm not saying we're going back to Bella Lugosi, dude. But I'm def- but I'm definitely Bella, saying you know, go, where gonna... are you going? Yeah. Oh, white zombie? Were there fucking That's slaves? <laughs> no, but I'm, but I'm saying like we're definitely going back to 28 days later. You know, we're going back to the new dawn of the dead. You know, where we're definitely you know going there where they have that well, shit of. You know, you well, wait a minute, though. What about the original? What about the original Night of the Living Dead? The daughter was big. Yeah. She's down in the basement. And how long does that movie take for that little girl to turn and turn into a zombie? Yeah, it's yeah. been it's it's, 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 a, a, it's a, long a trope time. that's been played for a while. Um, and yeah, does importance of the character or does the does does its point of the story? come into play for that? Of course it does. But, you know, it's funny. Like, I was joking. Like, uh, this is perfect for the doc because he knows what it is. And uh, anybody here that's – I know the, the king. You've seen the Stone Age. Um, yes, I have. We always used to laugh. But we used to always laugh about it because there's the one scene in the Stone Age when Trump's brother shows up. And he's trying to bust into the fucking house, right? And he's, they, they've kicked everybody's ass, and he's br- trying to break in on the door, and they all run into the kitchen. And they're all having this cigarette during this period of time. And, like, you know, like, we know the character was just literally kicking in the door. He should already be in the house. But it's like that moment where, like, you know, the, the philosophy is that moment of your death could stretch out for however long that it takes. And, like, that's how I sometimes kind of look at these kind of things, where, it's like, you know, maybe it's just that each person's death is individualized and sometimes we get to share with them that long stretch of time during that death and other times we don't. Other times we get the instantaneous hey, you're dead. Yeah. And yeah. okay, and, and just understand, I'm not doing this and bashing the film. I'm like I'm Bash also it, saying that <laughs> no, I'm also <laughs> I'm also saying, you know, good job to you for actually nailing all these tropes. Like that's yeah, what I'm saying. Movie of all like, time, I, man. Come on, no. <laughs> Stone Age, well, baby. No, no, I'm not talking about Stone Age. Well, I'm, I'm, go, I'm, get, I'm getting back <laughs> to the movie we're supposed to be talking about. Okay, and what I'm saying is, <laughs> again, tacky. I was impressed that they actually nailed all these things because we had that trope. Okay, we have the those moments where everyone sits there and stops for a minute and gets together and actually talks to each other and gets to know each other's backstories. Again, another trope from zombie movies. You know, again, they, you know, they nailed that one. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, it, it could have been a lot shorter. I mean, I mean, this could have been an hour and a half movie. It didn't need to be two hours. Like, it, it dragged for me in ports. 
I see where you go with that, but I mean, I uh, I felt like, you know what, if one thing that this film was able to do that, you know, you don't get in a lot of other zombie films, this gave you those, those stereotypical type of characters. Oh, but yeah. Yep. You, you got them through almost inference and characterization more than you got it through exposition, which was nice. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to see or hear the backstory. I got it through their actions and the way they spoke to each other or the way they reacted to certain situations. And that I enjoyed yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. Oh, sorry, King, go ahead. <clears throat> no, I was going to say the, the premise works for me. Because you have uh, a father and a daughter, because uh, I'm going to butcher these fucking names because they're so Korean. But uh, Sik Woo is a father, and Suan is a daughter, and she wants to go see her mother. What I liked about it is that it takes place on a train. I'm like, this is the perfect place for a zombie movie to take place because you're trapped. Like, you can't go anywhere. This train is moving, you know, hundreds of miles per hour at a minute, and all of a sudden, all these things start to happen on this train. So it's a great setting. I will give like it this much. All these motherfucking zombies on this motherfucking train. Where's and the fact, that they, <laughs> the fact that they change so quickly because you have the, the girl in the bathroom and then you have the homeless man in the bathroom who's like, I've seen some shit. It's some fucking shit. And it, it, it happens so quickly and it works. It's because all of a sudden now that they're, they're changing and they're attacking people, uh, one of the tropes like you had talked about, Monkey, that I did like is the fact that if they can't see you, they won't attack. So put newspapers in front of the windows, you know, spray a fire extinguisher yeah. so they can't see you. So I like that. Mm. You know, if they can't see, they can't uh, attack. But again, these aren't fucking zombies. They're, okay, they're mutants. But, uh, they're rabid. I give it that much. But okay. I, don't, I hate calling okay. them zombies. Okay, yeah, all right. Mean, so we'll ta- too, we'll just go I mean, with infected. Even works because you know what? They would be all fucking bent out of shape and broken, and then their bodies are like instantaneously like fixing themselves. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now, okay. If we can go back just uh, super quick, King, to what you were saying, just because I I I don't know as much about horror again as you guys. Where was it predominantly used that you know zombies? If they can't really see you, then they don't really know you're around. Because this this was kind of new to me. How much they used this in this movie? The first time I saw it was in this movie, <clears throat> where it's like if they they can't see you, they can't you know because zombies you smell a lot of the time. So like you see in The Walking Dead, if you cover yourself in guts, they can't detect you, so you can walk among them. But this is the first one where it's like if they can't see you. They can't attack you. So it was new to right. me, and I liked it. But like I said, I don't consider them zombies. So I don't consider right. it a zombie Which, trope. I consider it a, a mutant trope, a 20 Days Later trope. Which was also interesting because okay. it wasn't like it was like pitch black. It was like when they would go through a tunnel and there right. was like faint light. And you'd see the change in their their eyes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I yeah. think was like was a cool little special effect, you know. Um, Agreed. Where when it was daylight, you kind of saw a little bit more of a pupil in there, whereas when it was like night, it was just straight up white in the eyes um, or dark. And and on top of that, though, was also a change in atmosphere because when they become uh, when they were in a dark environment, they would just be laid back and chill. You know, but then as right. soon as well, no, they, they react, were exposed, they'd react and attack a sound. Oh yeah, oh yep. that's right, if that's you right, that's right. Something. 
Yes, they would yeah. attack so, it. So it, wasn't, it was just that they couldn't see. They still wanted to attack. They okay. still wanted to do their thing. It was just that they had one less mm. sense mm. to use. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to go into the whole infection, that, the, at least the way they went into the infection for this movie. And I just want to say I really fucking liked what they did here. Um, just because it was a beautiful, in my opinion, it, it was a really nice mix of practical effects and CGI. Yeah. You used to this to this beautiful combination where we were having uh, practical effects, people getting ripped apart, and all that kind of stuff. While on the flip side, um, the things that they were doing while attacking and being able to like do what they did, and the CGI was so clean that I couldn't tell it was CGI except for the fact that you had a pile of people coming out, you know, coming out of windows at once. Um, World War Z. It was okay. All right, mm-hmm. you took it as World War Z. I skipped that movie completely just because I, I knew I thought it was going to suck anyway. It just took, it took me as I'm just saying it took me as very anime, but at the same time, it was way more controlled than any anime I've seen. And then those, and then on top of that, the contorting of the bodies, you know, that were involved after someone would be infected, and then they start snapping back into place, like Gould said. I really fucking like those effects. It was okay. I mean, I, I will give you that. I mean, I like some of those effects. Um, you know, because we have all these different trope of characters. Like we had the baseball team, and we have the two characters that are kind of the, the cheerleader for the team, and then you have the one baseball player that doesn't really like her, but kind of crushed on her a little bit. You have the CEO on the train who's just very, this was a, very much a Harry Cooper type. From Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> That's the way I took him. I was like, this is the Korean Harry Cooper. I'm like, get these fucking people off my train. I need to get home. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. Um, all right, so, yeah, you had the baseball team. The kids, it wasn't that he didn't like the girl. He, he obviously crushed on her completely. And she oh, liked yeah. him. Um, you know. Uh, I her. I yeah, you her. Had, Do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> These are all like I don't know, like in a funny sort of way. It's almost like they had an American audience in mind for this because it's like they had mm-hmm. all of like the the typical American stereotypical <laughs> yeah. idea of what we think Asian people are like. Oh hey, they're all a bunch of baseball players. Oh hey, look, it's just a guy and his daughter. Oh look, the two old ladies. Look, a guy and his pregnant wife. But like yeah, they they were all stereotypical basic characters, the kind of characters you're gonna expect to see in this kind of film. They're basically almost the same characters that we saw in the Dawn of the Dead remake. You know, you had yeah. the pregnant yeah. woman and her boyfriend. Yeah. You know, you had the you know, young lovers, older people, and so forth and so forth. Um, but uh, the COO guy that you're talking about, Jim, young he actually has young, yeah, that, whatever their names are, man. I'll be honest. I, uh, I'm, I, I got it in front of me. I'm like, I'm going to go off the names because <laughs> I didn't I, remember either. So, so young Sook, um, yeah. Yes, that's it. Yan Suk. Okay, if you actually yeah. look at the Yan Suk character, right, there actually is a direct correlation to Suk Wu, um, the main character, the father. Right. Um, yeah. Yan Suk is basically what Suk Yu was heading towards. That would have been oh, where yeah. his yeah. life would have yeah. been had this zombie break never happened. You know, had he never found the fact that he loved his kid and was more willing to sacrifice himself. 
that you know for his daughter than keep himself alive, which is what we saw the COO doing by the end of it. So those two characters are actually really one and the same. They just took two different paths by the end of yeah. the movie, anyway. Yeah, two sides Lucky. of the same coin. No, I was going yeah. to completely agree with the ghoul. And again, great analogy, man, because I didn't really think about that because I was just all caught up in the action and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a really, really good analogy there, ghoul. And that's why I love the character of Sengwa, the guy with his pregnant wife, where he's like, baby, baby, you okay in the bathroom? Yeah, I'm just checking oh, on baby. you. But I love the fact that when he finds out that the girl's father is a she fund manager, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I love the fun manager coming. He's like, oh, he just leeches off of people. So that's what he does. He just <laughs> takes from people. <laughs> you know, he's an asshole. He's a douche. Mm. You know, and I just, I love his just fat Jackie Chan ways. You know, just beating <laughs> on these, you know, infected. And the weird thing is, he's the personal trainer of the director of this movie. And is that right? If you look wow. up his, yeah. And if you look up his IMDb credits, his IMDb is way longer than anybody else's in this fucking movie, man. He has been in a shit ton of movies. <laughs> and he was a great character in the movie. I mean, talk about set pieces in this movie, like what I liked about Train to Busan. Set pieces. And I love when they get to the next station, which is the Dejan station, where it's been overrun. There's a bunch of police oh. shields laying around. They don't know what they're doing. They just know that they need to get out. So you have... Uh, the main character of the film with his daughter who gets a phone call from his assistant, Kim, it's like, listen, you know, get out of that station, go to this door, the men will get you out. So he's like, all right, we've got to go. You know, we're going to go this way. He's like, yeah, don't go to the door that everybody else is going to. I'm going to get you out the (laughs) right way. And the daughter has to be the person that's like, well, we're going to let everybody else know. He's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. We're going to go this way. It's going to be cool. Don't want anybody else to know. And I love the set piece of everybody from the train going down the escalator. And then as soon as they reach that bottom, you see the line of army guys at the base of this escalator. And they're all fucking infected. Great fucking set piece. One of my favorites of this movie was when they all turn around and they're all infected and start chasing everybody up that escalator. Because, again, you're trapped. Like, how the fuck are you getting out of the situation? Mm. Uh, yeah, and the environments that this movie had um, up until the last act, I really enjoyed. Everything that happened to the train station, I fucking loved all of the scenery that was there. Just the deserted train station, you know, um, the infected coming after them, mixed with, you know, what you think are the military there to help you, but nope. <laughs> and just all chaos breaks out. I fucking loved it, man. <laughs> My only problem is it was just so predictable, you know what I mean? Like, I, I honestly... Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, I, when they got off the train at this station, I was actually, like, really hoping at this point that they were going to do something completely different and that the whole movie mm-hmm. didn't take place on the train. And, like, this was going to take us deeper into this world of whatever was going on. Um, but, yeah, as soon as, you know, you, you saw the one person coming out from around the thing and the other people going down the escalator and all the military people are looking in the other direction and just shuffling back and forth, it's kind of like, yeah, Every right, day I'm we, shuffling. we know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny, though. The uh, the guy that plays uh, Saint-Hua, whatever his name is, uh, Ma Jong-Suk or Don Lee, he, uh, or yeah. Lee Jong-Suk, um, yeah, like I said, we're probably brutalizing. Uh, uh, Modern Seek. Uh, 
Audience, we suck at this. Had a long filmography, monkey, but he's also he's actually about to enter the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's going to be Gilgamesh in the Eternals. What? Holy Mm -hmm. shit! (laughs) Indeed, sweet. Yeah, and uh, oh no, but I was going to say go ahead, monkey. Whatever you got. Yeah, and I was going to say again, we have another trope where. We get to have this person, you know, the one person that we really, really, really like in the movie, you know, that's him, you know, and of course, you know, things have to happen to him, and he has to be a hero, you know, because again, another fucking trope, you know, <laughs> what's getting ready to happen. But before all that, that though, before uh, he gets bit and all that shit, man, I hate, the one thing I can't stand that they do in some of these zombie movies is the... The varying strengths of the zombies, but then also deciding to eliminate physics and weight completely out of the equation. Agreed. So, like, when you have Agreed. these three guys holding a fucking glass door closed, and there is just a utter pile of so many of these guys on the other side pushing at it, and they're holding it closed, and they're holding it closed. He finally locks it, and yet now is when the glass breaks. Like, come on, man. Well, not even that, but when, when, uh, when uh, what was the, the guy that we keep talking about, the, the Chan Wonsuka, yeah, what? I can't, I'm horrible at these fucking names. Yeah, when he's fighting in the one train car with the others, with, with Seek Wu and Young Guk, the, the baseball player, when he literally picks one of them up and then just pushes him up against the top of the train car. Like, physics be damned, he's fucking a superhero right now, where he could just pick this fucking entire body up and throw him up against the top of the roof. Like, okay, so we're not, not talking about physics anymore. Yes, right, no, no, but that's at, the, at least that's only one person. You know, like, I can buy that. This guy has shown us that he's very strong. We have seen that. And when it's, like, one guy or he's pushing back, like, two, that's fine. But when there's 50 or 60 or 70 of these fucking things <laughs> piling up against a door that's made of glass, it's kind of, like, yep. silly. It yeah, is. I agree. As soon as the as soon as the glass breaks, you're like run, like run faster, run. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna outrun this fucking zombie horde. And I, again, I can't say I can't say zombies. I, I gotta I gotta train myself because they're not fucking zombies. Like they're not in any way, shape, or form. Yes, they said it in the movie. They said it in the movie. Hot, hot word zombie. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's fine. But yeah, again, when you have uh, Young Sook who is protecting everybody, and he's up against the door and he's trying to keep it shut, and he gets bit by the one zombie, and he's like, "Oh no, you gotta go! I'm getting really tired." It's like, "How the fuck are you still alive? When are you gonna turn? Because everybody else is turning instantaneously. As soon as they get bit, they're turned." Right. But this is again what I was talking about. Depending on the likability of the character, also varies on the you know how long that person takes to turn. All right. And then you said the whole thing about, you know, strong. (laughs) We've seen that. And and he's arguing that. And he only had one bite, you know, but still, (laughs) that's what I'm getting at is another one of those zombie tropes where depending on the dude, I got this. Come on. I got (laughs) this. Just go grab my wife and go, man. Well, you know, it's funny. What What his death actually reminded me of was, 
again, like the, the movie that kept coming back to me again and again throughout the whole time watching this was Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. It just oh, very yeah. much yeah, I agree. had similar pacing. Yeah. I know, the, you know, the whole, you know, the, the, the World War Z comparison has been there because of the way they were acting oh, yeah. and whatnot. But you know what? The, 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 fucking, the Dawn of the Dead remake also moved mm. very fast. Yeah. They were very yeah, well, angry. Um, well, that's you know, because the director said reminded... he... Oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> say the director specifically said that he took a ton of influence from 28 Days Later and World War Z. He said that's what he used for most of his um, influences for, for the zombies. Yeah. Mm. Definitely shows. It's, sorry, it's cool. Wong sorry, cool. or whatever what his name thing was. It reminded me of the dude in the gun store in the Door mm-hmm. of the Dead remake. Yeah. Like, here's this character <clears throat> you've built up. You like the guy. You know, you, you've been following this entire him this entire time, only to finally get a little bit of something from him, and the fucker gets killed. Yeah. Andy, I think, Andy, I think yeah. the guy in the gun store was Andy. He was another Andy. <laughs> it is. It is Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he brings out the whiteboard. <laughs> where he's walking as a zombie carrying that whiteboard that he's dead. Yeah, this is so hilarious. There's blood all over it. They've been playing chess <laughs> on it the entire time. And then you can see him wiping his shit all over him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when when uh, the guy dies, you know, the big muscle man, like he's turning as they're bursting through the, the vestibule. But it's like, did they eat him? Because he's turning as they're bursting through, but then they pile on top of him. So I'm like, what, do they just forget they he's no, one of them now? They don't eat anybody. They never eat anybody. They don't no, they chew on people. They chew on people. And then they turn. Yeah. They turn before they eat. <laughs> yeah. So what is the purpose of this? Like, you know, is, is they're this not some kind of fast-moving disease? What is the... <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, you, I guess, what, did you get to watch the whole entire prequel, Monkey? Yeah, Soul I Station. Did. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I, 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 yeah, I didn't. You know what? I figured. I figured it was a short, yeah. so I was gonna watch it before I got on the air with us tonight, and then I put it on, and I saw that it was an hour <laughs> yeah. and a half long, yeah. and I was like, oh. No, and it's just an infection. It's just a, a big-ass infection. But the thing is, Soul Station doesn't really give you anything more than what you get in the original movie. It's just a story of kind of showing how the outbreak starts at Soul Station. That's it. And how the, the government tries to control it and everything goes to shit because, again, you know, one bite and then you become part of the horde. You know, and that's all it is, is, is again, it's, it's, and, you know, according to Andy's definition, this isn't oh, a zombie movie. To be part of the horde. Oh, my music's really good, bro. My music's really good, yeah. bro. You got to join the horde with me, man. You join the horde with me when you're good. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, I like yeah, when, when they, the they battle through and seek Wu and the other survivors of Young Gook. They get through, and you have the the one COO who's like, we can't let them through. They're they're, they're affected. Like, you know, come on, guys. Like, look at them. Yeah, no, no. Hey, man. Like, they're affected. And I love when uh, CQ punches him, and he's like, he's infected. Look at his eyes. He's fucking one of them. Get him out of here. It's like, it's such a Harry Cooper moment from Night of the Living Dead, where it's like, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. Get him out of here. It's like, but you know what? Thank you. I don't want to be here with you fuckers. I want to go up into the safer part of the train. <laughs> like, Listen, you know? I, well, no, like, well, here's the thing, though. 
Okay. They were in a part of the train that was perfectly fucking fine. You know, when they broke through, they broke through originally to get to where his wife was, who was pregnant, to get to, to the main character's daughter. Right. And, you know, I guess at that point the old lady was there, and, and that was the sister. Sister. And the uh, yeah. Yeah. And Jin Hee, yeah. the girl. And the young girl, the baseball player's girlfriend, was all the way in the front. So, you know what, man? One, once they said to her, hey, listen, they could be infected. It's not safe. They shouldn't be coming here. Wouldn't it have been just a more prudent thing to, like, get back on the phone and be like, hey, listen, they don't want you up here because they're afraid you might be bit. I'm safe. We're safe. Why don't you guys see if you can find a safe spot back there somewhere because you've obviously made it through six other fucking cars to get here. (laughs) Fucking chill and wait. But no, they're pushing everything and constantly having to fucking move forward just for the sake of fucking moving forward, you know, is what gets everybody in this movie killed. You know, if it's so great though when they're like, get out of here. Get out of here, man. I love it though. When they're like, get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, man. Yeah, we don't want okay. you here. But on top of that, throughout this entire thing, it's like then there is this sense of very Asian uh, professionalism going on because everyone that actually, you know, the guy that was working on the train, the, the conductor of the train, you know, they're still sitting there talking to each other through communications about how they're properly doing things. And then, you know, when you have the CEO sitting there t- telling the one, you know, the one dude in the train train car, you know, get him out of here. get him out of here. He's like, I have to ask you guys to leave. You know, it's like, yeah, know. not get out. He's guy. like, I have to. Yeah. Again, yeah. Very, you know, through all of this, they're still trying to stay very, very professional. Like they're still on the <laughs> yeah. clock. Not, not the apocalypse. They're still on the clock. <laughs> but they're not infected, and I love Seek Wu, who's like, all right, fine. Like, we'll take off. Have fun, because <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if that sister back there is going to want her fucking infected sister coming in the train car. We're going to be up here. <laughs> well, that's even the better part, is they're like, hey, you guys go to the festival, okay, go to the next car forward, and <laughs> leave us in the car next to the car filled with all the zombies that you guys keep fucking, you know, trailing behind you. Like, like this is no, like, thought there. I would have at the very least been like, okay, you know what? Anybody that wants to stay with them can stay with them. I'm going to move to the car forward, which is going to put a car between me and said creatures. Not sit there with the creatures banging on the damn door the entire time next to me. And for some reason, when the sister lets her infected sister come into that vestibule with all the other infected, for some reason... Young Sook and the conduct, and not the conductor, but the guy that's on the train, the, the assistant, oh. they live. They're in the bathroom. <laughs> like, just letting us all hang out. But like, come on, he didn't die yet? Come on. Well, like, when is he going to. Because he's a survivor. He's going to do whatever it takes to survive, man. And if he had to shove other people in the way to make his ass safe, then he would do what needed to be done. <laughs> and we know how he became COO. <laughs> this, this, yeah. this, this is how. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love like when he uh, when he gets uh, Young Sook's girlfriend in the way of the one trade conductor that's infected, and he's like, "See you guys later." 
Jin Suk gets bit, and she's like, I'm dying. He's like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Don't die on me. Like, yeah. You're going to let yourself get bit? No. I'm, like, I'm ending you right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Casualty. <laughs> you know. No, well, yeah, we have the whole train breaking sequence in which, you know, now the conductor's like, hey, listen, everybody, you know, <laughs> the train's got to stop. I've got to try. Like, you know, like this guy really, you know, not for nothing, man. He could have been like, hey, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go and get in another train. I'm not going to tell any of these motherfuckers that. I'm going to just take that train and go. No, this dude, man, without knowing or dealing or seeing any of these people for the most part, was like, hey, you know what? Any of you survivors back there, you're going to see a train moving slowly, and uh, that's going to be me. So if you can catch up and get on, fantastic. If not, peace out, homeboy. And again, though, that great... That oh, great so effect, can... though, of the one train on fire coming towards the other train fire. when they conducted on it, so <laughs> fucking good. When he's like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, that other train's on fire. It's like, yep, nope, that's all awesome. Like, it was a great <laughs> set piece. But then again, we keep building up to the COO, how he does things, and, you know, they're trying to sit there and see if there's any zombies out there, you know, and he's peeking, and uh, um, the guy that works on the train is like, is it clear? And he's like, yep. And then he shoves them out into the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, he like when the conductor tried to save Yon Sook, and he's like, oh, no, come on, man, come on. And he breaks his ankle on the train track, and he's like, yeah. I still got you. Come on, we can make it. And he went <laughs> and get bit. And fucking just destroyed by this. Like, again, you know, God, this guy's got to go. Like, you know, when is he going? <laughs> he is just Harry Cooper fucking times 10. <laughs> I agree, man. But, okay, and this is where we get to a part where it's like I had a problem with the story because when we got to the train, I was enjoying the train ride. I was having fun on the train. I got to watch a movie. You know, um, <laughs> and, and then when we get to Passan, things – to me personally slowed down because I didn't feel like we needed like while it was fun I didn't feel like we needed all of this action going on in the train yard I I, nope. I, I, felt, yeah. I felt like this this was a major trip in the storyline because any, everything up until this point was a huge well, thrilling this, rush this wasn't you know. Busan right not yet they didn't get to Busan yet the, the, the reason why they stopped was because there was stuff blocking the tracks. This was another another city East Agu Station stuck at here. Yeah, the East right. Agu Station. Yeah, but I'm just saying it was just you know a hiccup as far as pacing, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just it's another station. It's another set point in the movie. <clears throat> this is our finale, though. This is where everything yeah. comes to a head. This is where the movie comes to its its true ending. Um, everything that happens, you know, after these sequences is literally just, you know, basically a coda on the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, here yeah, we have, uh, you know, again, everybody's, uh, you know, good to go, including, you know, our, yeah. our young lovers where we have the, uh, the very much, um, return of the living dead-esque, you know, type of, uh, yes. she's yep. infected and he's just simply gonna, gonna let her bite him and go. Oh, I can smell your brains. Yeah. You know, but we have Siku who's still doing his best to try and protect his daughter. He's trying to protect the pregnant wife. 
you know, he, he's doing his best to try and get him through all that. And then we have all this weird-ass Universal Studios, you know, um, <laughs> you know, stuff happening of trains falling on top of trains, you know, and they're trapped in and out and whatnot. Um, and it's, it was it was a fun little terror piece, you know, if you will, of, you know, they're trapped beneath the trains, and then you have all these infected beating on the windows, you know, just trying to get to them because they, they can see them right through the other side of the glass. It was so clearly a screen, though. You know, like, that's it was. Like, you say you Univer- Universal Studios is, like, the perfect thing to say about that because, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it did not yep. look real in any way. It didn't feel real in any way. Um, you know, the bum has been with them this entire time. You know, this, yeah. this guy who, you know, I don't know, like earlier in the film, I thought he was like one of the early infected and he actually wasn't, Me too. you know. It was, but yep. it was interesting because what you actually have here, if you think about it, you know, throughout this film, we've had the man, you know, the bum, and you have the COO. Again, another set of two opposing sides with two opposing natures. You know, by the end, the bum is willing to sacrifice himself in order to allow other people to survive. And yet right. the man that has it all is going to push everybody in front of him in order to, to keep himself alive. And it was another yeah. problem that I had going into the finale of the film where Sikh Wu and his daughter and the mother with the baby oh. uh, inside of her are on the outside of the train and Sikh Wu goes into the, the cab of the train and you have uh, Sikh Yu, the COO, where he's like, oh, 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 uh, I just want to get home to my mother. Can you help me? Oh, no. Oh, no. I am a zombie. Oh, no. Like, like, Come on. What the fuck are you uh, doing? No, man. No, 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 no. See, this is where I think a lot of times translation and stuff like that becomes an issue with it. I think what we were supposed to take it from, and if we could actually understand the inflections of their tones and the language itself, I think for a little bit you're supposed to be sympathetic for this character. Here this guy is, you know, he was I wasn't. lonely. <laughs> He's this guy who, in the end, is this lonely... Because, again, if we look at the main character, you know, who was he living at home with? His mother and his daughter. His mom, yeah. So now here's this guy. You know, we know he's this rich COO, but all this shit hits the fan, and all he wants to do is get home to his mom. He just wants to be feeling safe and okay again. You know, so I think, again, if if you understood the language... And you understood their terms and how they said things. I think that comes off more sympathetically than it does when yeah. you just see subtitles on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, I agree with the ghoul. Is because uh, again, you know, everything hits the fan, and this badass who probably runs half the country, in the end, all he wants is his mummy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I get that. It just it was too little, too late for me though in this movie. Like we've seen him do so many dickish things. Where I'm like, finally, he's mm-hmm. getting his up and comings and becoming a zombie or a fucking creature. I'm not, I'm, and he's like, I just, I'm not arguing I that. want to see my mom. <laughs> and you have this fight no. with, with CQ and the COO where they're fighting, and he finally bites into CQ's hand. And he's like, oh shit, like, I'm bit, and this is it. Like, this is my end. You know, I'm going to wrap this chain around my waist, and I'm going to throw him off the fucking train. Why didn't you do that to begin with? <laughs> you had so many chances. To just throw his old ass off the train. But now you're doing it now with this fucking fantastic Jackie Chan scene where you're leaning off the side of the train on a chain. 
you know, and he's off the train. So you get bit and you have to lead uh, your daughter and this pregnant woman into the train going, hey, listen, uh, so I love you, but you're going to have to go on without me because I'm yeah. bit. And I'm going to go over here now and smile about you being a baby and I'm going to turn. And then I'm just going to go dip out because <laughs> there's no turning okay. back for me now. Oh, but again, we're talking about an Asian film versus an American film, okay? And the thing is, we're supposed to be having this moment where we're finally feeling for Sik Woo, all right? Because up until this point, his entire life has been about him, and he's realized that, yes, he loves his daughter. But more importantly, as he's in there getting her ready for the train and showing them both how to work the train, she is finally expressing her love for him. Instead of, yeah. you know, mommy, yep. mommy, mommy the entire time, you know, she's finally telling him that she loves him, you know, and yeah. he and and it finally hits, you know, when you have that moment where, you know, your kid finally tells you, you know, yes, I love you and I want to be with you. Unfortunately, as you, it usually is in life, it's too little too late. And I don't have kids, so I didn't really feel that. That's not necessarily true, okay? That's, uh, you know what? That's us as parents being assholes. You know how many times our kids have told us or shown us that they love us and that they need us, and it's not always that they want money or they want some other things for it. We're just always too busy to fucking see that kind of stuff, you know? That's what I'm saying. And that's exactly what what I'm saying. That's what this movie showed, too, though, because what did she want? (laughs) She had that play or whatever that was at school that the grandmother had videotaped, and she was waiting for him to be there. She practiced that song for him, and he doesn't show up. You know, so yeah. Yep. At this moment, he's getting the the satisfaction of understanding finally that you know what this love is more important than anything else he's ever done in his entire life, and that's why he's making the sacrifice. I'll admit, you know what? Even without getting attached to these characters, the moment and the feeling between it. I actually shed a tear, man. I was like, you know what? That's kind of a bummer, but it's the same feeling I get at the end of fucking Armageddon, even though I find that movie utterly ridiculous and stupid. That little little flash scene before Bruce Willis blows himself up when he's like Mm -hmm. crazy, you know, and they they shoot all of these scenarios of like a life that he's never going to see, like her getting married, her being born, her having kids, this and that. And it's like, you know, man, that just sucks, dude, because again, you know, all I want to do is live forever to see everything. So, (laughs) yeah, I know. And that's the thing is that with this movie, when he dies off the train because he's turning and he smiles and then you have them arriving in Busan and they're walking down the tunnel and you have the army ready to kill them because they don't know who they are, you know, and kill them on sight because they could be the infected. The only time in this fucking movie, Ghoul, like you said, you shed a tear. I shed a tear in this fucking one moment in this movie when she is walking in that tunnel with the pregnant woman and singing Oahuaii, that song that she sang for her father that he wasn't there for, and she's trying to be as brave as she can and wiping away the tears and being ready to be taken away by the army was the only moment in this movie I'm like, all right, this movie has me for a second where I'm like, I feel bad for her because she lost her dad. She's with this woman she doesn't really even know, but they're survivors. And it was the only moment where I'm like, all right. She lost her grandmother. On and on. Well, she doesn't know she lost her grandmother. Only the father knows. Oh, okay. But she doesn't know about her but yeah. why would she sing in a Hawaiian song? That, that, that's, that's the song she decided to sing. Uh, Aloha. <laughs> that's, 
Aloha-i, aloha-i. They're all, they're all kind of intermingled. You know what I mean? Like, what, is, what do you think? That we don't do, like, plays here where we take other <laughs> cultures and do stuff with them? I mean, what fucking nope. world do you live in, man? You know, it's funny. No, I know you say, like, this is where, <laughs> where the king finally sheds a tear. The king finally shows his humanity. Do you know what I wanted at this point? I actually... I was actually all for the Night of the Living Dead ending. I wanted to see the mm. shot. I would have loved it. Yeah. Dude, I would have clapped at that ending. <laughs> I would have been like, great I, movie. Uh, love it. Uh, I, I, I was so... I was so expecting that to happen, man. I was like, because as she's singing, and, and they keep saying, you know, no identification, kill on sight. You know, because, right. again, mm-hmm. you, they're looking through the scope. You can't see anything except two shadows walking toward them through a hallway. Right. I, was totally ex- I was totally expecting to just be like open fire, you know, and just have yeah, it be like, you, you know, you open up in the film. You know, you well, you couldn't, you couldn't even did it with style. I mean, listen, granted this though, there were two shadows, sh- you know, shuffling through the tunnel, but you could clearly see they were close together and like holding hands, which I don't think that's what the zombies were doing. But shit, I guess two people could have been fucking handcuffed together for all you know. But what they could have did to do this in a, in a non-glorifying way would have just simply been to cut to black and you hear two gunshots, you know? Pop, pop. Oh, nice. And you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Did they get shot? Did they get killed? Did they miss? You know, there's any number of things that could happen. That would have been awesome if they had done that. I would have been like, you know what? Great movie. <laughs> you know, because you don't know if they had died or not. Um, yeah. If they had actually had the balls to do that, yeah, that would have been a perfect ending. <laughs> It would have been. It would have been great. Um, I know that there have been a lot of talks about this movie being made into an English version uh, with James Wan and Gary Doberman working on it as of 2018. So that, as far as I know, there's been no other reports. Uh, The last one was of September of 2018 that James Wan and Gary Doberman were working on an American version of Train to Busan. Um, but I know that Yeon Sang-ho is working on a sequel currently to Train to Busan, which he's yes, he calling Bando. So, or Bando, Bondo, whatever you want to call it. But he's planning no, on working on no, one. No, no, no. It's called Django. You don't say the, you don't say the C. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The B well, is I know that they have – we do have a, a remake coming. They're looking at doing an Americanized okay. version or an English version of this. So, you know, I have no idea. There's nothing on cast or anything like that, but they are looking to uh, to do it in that way. So it's going to be uh, James Wan. James Wan is producing yeah. it, and, uh, and Gary yes, Dauberman yep. is writing the script. And, 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 yeah. oh, sorry, King, go ahead. No, go sorry, ahead. Sorry. What are you going to say? No, I was just going to say, and despite whether or not we really like this movie or not, this movie broke a lot of grounds as far as Korean filmmaking is concerned. This movie mm-hmm. is the first movie to ever have broken $10 million in the uh, box office for Korean movies. It's like one of the highest grossing uh, Korean movies of all time. $10 million theatergoers, not $10 million. $10 yeah. million oh, <laughs> In other words, you oh, got $10 sorry. million people in seats. Oh, that's right. It actually, yeah, because it actually uh, made like over eighty million box office. I think. Um, you're right. Um, yeah, but this movie broke a lot of records and like set a lot of, you know, did a lot of things to bring light to Korean filmmaking. 
Yeah, and that I will agree with you because I do like to see what other countries do with zombies, um, whether it's and, Italy, and whether it's Cuba with Wand of the Dead, which is my favorite Cuban horror film. Um, you know, seeing it in Korea with Train to Busan. Uh, I like to see Chicken's what other countries really do cheap. with zombies. Tickets must be really cheap over there. It made almost $90 million, but it had 10 million people. That's $9 for tickets. Yeah. (laughs) So they're working on it somehow. But I like to see what other countries do with zombies. I mean, to me, again, this isn't a zombie film. This is like 28 Days Later. It's the infected. Uh, Like the, the monkey had said, it's very much inspired by World War Z by Dawn of the Dead from 2004. I mean, I there's occasional ports where they show the zombies kind of staggering and walking around. I would have loved to see more of that. So to me, it's more of an infected film. And when I tell people about Train to Busan, I say it's an infected film. It's not a zombie film. You know, don't go into it thinking mm. it's going to be like another one of the Romero films. <laughs> because I don't think Romero was ever an inspiration when they made Train to Busan. <laughs> No, this is definitely taken well, uh, from the, the current films. I mean, look, you yeah. know what? The film has its flaws. I don't think it was, you know, as groundbreaking as, as it was taunted to, touted to be. But I, I had yes, a good agree. time watching it. I'm glad I finally watched it. Um, it, it wasn't a complete oh, yeah. and utter disappointment. I wish, you know, no. my, only, my only complaint is I wished it to be more gory. I wanted to see a little yeah. more of yep. Caramon, yep. <clears throat> some blood. I, I wanted a little more of that. But is that a Korean thing? Which is what I wondered when Probably. I watched it. Like, Probably. Do they not want the excessive gore? Which could mm. be an issue. Or if they just want a little bit of gore. Mm. Because there's plenty of scenes where, like the conductor, where he's getting bit up, not eaten, but bit up by the zombies, mm. where they don't really show a lot of blood. You know, he's just getting bit up and he mm. dies. But, uh, again, this might be one of those things where, depending on country to country and stuff like that, and what the Korean government is allowing to come out of the country oh, as yeah. far as the movies that they're making, you know, uh, again, it's like, you know, what are they allowing us to see? Well, yeah, it's depending well, on what it, what the production is. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think it's not only that, too, though. You know, like – I. I, I seeing some of these other foreign films that I've seen, you know, specifically like the uh, the Indian films and whatnot. One pervasive right. thing that I've noticed with them is that they um they always look to serve into the story a deeper message of being being good. I don't know. There's always some kind of bigger meaning everything that goes on. So, like, even the ones that are, like, action-based fighting-style movies, like War, there's still this deeper, like, this this deeper story that's there that is kind of, like, almost like an after-school special level of, like, goodness being a better, that's be, involved Being a better in, person. You know? Exactly. You know, so I, I feel like sometimes with these, these other cultures, that is kind of part of it, where it's like, you know, like, look, we can give you a horror movie, but it doesn't have to be gratuitous. You know, it doesn't have to have bloodletting all over the place, because that doesn't serve any purpose other than just being, you know, messy. And we know that they don't like messes. And, you know, it's... Uh, Mm. You know, it's just it's it's there for the sake of, of titillation, and they don't want to titillate. You know, yeah. they want to just tell a good story. Yeah. 
And I think we definitely keep the story going for a long, long time. But unfortunately, we have only five minutes left. <laughs> All right. So because the doc wasn't here tonight and next week is his pick, uh, he decided to go with 2016's Autopsy of Jane Doe, directed by Andre Overdahl, who just directed the recent Scary Stories of Hell in the Dark. So we'll be talking about that movie next week, hopefully with the doc in tow. But who knows? He might bow out. We might have to be talking about this movie without him. But we hope he's with us next week. If it happens, it happens is what it is. I am looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing it. I uh, I watched that when it came out, and uh, I too. remember it pretty fondly. It's got one of my favorite actors in it. So, <laughs> which one is that? I'm viewing <laughs> Emile Hirsch. Yeah, no, he's great. I love Emile Hirsch, but yeah, I do love that yeah. movie for a lot of yeah. different reasons. So, I'm hoping that we have the same discussion mm-hmm. as we did this week, maybe a little yeah. differently, but who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. So, Monkey, why don't you yeah. go ahead and sign yourself off? Yeah. Well. Thank you for listening and let me come in your ear. Um, yeah, and King, don't forget you're coming to my house for the holidays. And Ghoul, I am. Should we do anything? Should we do anything special for the holidays? What's up? Should we? Should, <laughs> should, 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 should we be doing anything special for the holidays, Ghoul? My bad. I happen to like look at this picture real quick, and it's like a bunch of sharks. Like sticking out of some, it's weird. I'll I'll try to snap a shot and send it over to you guys. That has that has nothing to do with bonfire pizza's eyes. (laughs) That has absolutely nothing to do with the most important thing right now, which is getting your ass over to bonfire pizza designs on Etsy. You know why? Because she sponsors our show. So get on there. Go buy a significant other something for Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever fucking made up holiday you guys are working with this year, and. And just get something nice. There's bracelets, there's rings, there's all kinds of jewelry. You want to get laid on the holidays, man? Get some fucking jewelry, dude. It does it every time. You want Santa to blow you in the fucking back by the fireplace? Get I know fucking, I do. Get him a nice bracelet from fucking Bonfire Beat Designs, and you're good. Santa loves Krampus bracelets, so make sure you give Santa a Krampus bracelet. Mm. <laughs> he is all about that Yule. Log. Did you see the uh, the thing yeah. that FYE is selling this year though? For Christmas time, they're selling Krampus on the mantle from uh, Michael yeah. Doherty's Krampus. They're selling that now in stores, so you can put it oh, on your mantle this year. Krampus. <laughs> I never finished that one. I start to. I have to finish it. Just like watching Train to Busan on Netflix, I gotta go to like my movie list because I bought it and I just never finished it. I'm like halfway through yeah. Krampus. We covered on the show. I know, but I never finished the movie. <laughs> I don't think I made it to that episode. I think I ended up missing that episode. I was working or something came up. I might have had a heart attack at the time and died. When do we cover it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so make sure you check out Bonfire B Designs on Facebook. Uh, Bonfire B Designs, all one word, at ET.com. <laughs> she pays our bills. ET. Why not check us out on iTunes? Not ET.com. Go to S-A-E-T-S-Y. S-A-E-T-S-Y. We're also, hey guys, listen, we're on iTunes, so if you're on iTunes as well, why don't you give us a review and rate us and let us know what we're doing. What do you want to hear us do more of? What do you want to hear us do less of? Let us know on iTunes. Give us a rating. We're there for you to come in your ears, like the monkey always says. All right, so with that said, I'm going to go see tomorrow. 
Do I go see Last Christmas or do I go see the new Charlie's Angels movie? I don't know. Charlie's see, Angels. I missed, I missed <laughs> Charlie's Angels tonight. I could have went tonight as long as it got an early screening. But instead, I had to talk to you fellas. <laughs> yeah, no. Sucks. Uh, Sucks that you have responsibilities. <laughs> All right, yeah, guys. Damn it. So we'll see you guys next week. This is the King of Horror NDG saying, keep America strong, watch horror movies, hail Satan, hail yourselves. We'll see you here next week. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared.